Do you feel comfortable um, chatting a little bit about what, um, you know, because I can't even imagine being in your situation at that point after having that many, you know, that many kids and being like, oh my God, I have to start over. So do you feel comfortable at all sharing a little bit of that that journey with our, um, our sure. audience? Sure. Do you mean that? ending of it? Or do you mean the trying it again? <laughs> Which part of it? Well, I mean, a little bit of both, right? Like, so the, the fact mm-hmm. that you ended, and the fact that you were willing to try mm-hmm. it again, speaks volumes about like your resiliency. Because girl, I, I tell people all the time, if it's not going to work out with my husband, yeah, yeah, I'm done. Like, I don't, I, I'm never <laughs> doing this again. <laughs> I don't, you know, I've been married for 22, 23 years or whatever, but I'm just kind of like, I, th- this is, he's it for me. And I cannot ho- tolerate that, you know? Too funny that you said that. SubhanAllah. As soon as I had gotten divorced, my family still kind of makes fun of me because I was like, hell no, no, thank you. I am good. Singlehood is okay by me. I've got plenty to do. These kids are not going to raise themselves. You know, like yes. we had a you know career. I was like, I'm good. I'm just, I'm good to go, you know? Well, you know, here I am. Uh, so, um, so, okay. So basically towards yeah. the end, <laughs> I guess, um, you know, and I, I appreciate that, that, that just understanding that it, it was hard. It is hard, you know, um, even co-parenting post-divorce is very hard. You know, you have two different households, two different sets mm-hmm. of rules. I mean, again, that could be a whole nother show. Um, so I won't get too far into that, but, you know, I think, I think what happened with me, cause it was, it was very ironic, right? I was the divorced marriage and family therapist. That's fun in the Muslim community. Um, it, it, you know, I didn't do my program until four to five years after I was already married. Right. There were points in the marriage where we had mutually actually agreed to, you know, this isn't working out, you know, and, and you, this is where, again, you just keep falling back on Qadr. You keep falling back on, you know, Allah has plans and things have to go a certain way. And it didn't matter what you thought about it at the time. It like had to go a certain way. So I always look at my four older children and say they had to be of me and him. They wouldn't be who they are. I wouldn't love them as they are. They wouldn't yes. be literally who they are they, if they weren't of me and him. So Alhamdulillah <clears throat> for that. Um, and I think, you know, again, there were times, right. And, and so I, I realized like, cause I basically my, my youngest was one and a half when I had gotten divorced. So it, it's kind of like, you know, again, she had to be there, <laughs> you know, she had to be her, she had to be exactly who she was, you know, um, and alhamdulillah, again, I'm really, really grateful for that, but it was really hard. Um, frankly, I mean, there's no other way to put it. It was really, really difficult. And part of it is when you recognize, recognize, um, abusive behavior, when you recognize just things that should mm-hmm. not be tolerated, you know, and I think in our community, uh, we push things under the rug a lot, we overlook a lot, we dismiss a lot, we're just like, it's all good, keep your head down, keep it moving, keep it moving, you know, and that's how I was, I was just like, push through, push through, push through, I'm a very, I get this from my father, and it's, um, it's probably to a fault when you forgive and forgive and forgive, you know, to the point of just like, I forgot about it. Oh, that happened yesterday. What? I don't even know. You know, like you just kind of bulldoze through, forgive and move on. And on one hand, it's a much easier way to live life. Alhamdulillah, like it it really is. But then sometimes it it gets taken advantage of. And so um, I think that was the story there. It's I tell people this in there in my clients all the time. Once you see something, you cannot unsee it. So the minute you see behavior that's not tolerable, you cannot unsee it now you know, and you will not ever unfeel it. So I think that was sort of the ending there. And then, as you said, I was like, never, ever, ever. No, thank you. You know, um, not interested. But I think what happened is um, 
I mean, well, what happened is a, a great option showed up. <laughs> so uh, not by my doing, alhamdulillah, like I was absolutely not actively looking. I still have never gotten on any of the apps and I'm not knocking them. It's totally an okay way to do it. But I just, my point is I never actively searched because I was not interested, frankly. Um, he, my husband, my husband right now is a mm -hmm. mutual friend uh, of a friend, basically. Um, and in my head, I'm... <laughs> gonna be a little probably a little too honest here uh so he's younger than me my husband's younger than me he was single he's never been married he doesn't have any kids and i i feel like i i you know like i just how do i put it i literally went at him i was like oh in urdu like oh this little butcha this little kid like you know, it wasn't like that's not where my head was in any stretch in any sense of the word and, you know, this is where you just know that Allah has plans and you can't, you know, they're going to yes. play out as they're going to play out. So, alhamdulillah. Uh, what I will say about that is um, there was a whole lot of talking, whole lot of talking about a, the blended family look, uh, step parenting, mm -hmm. um, co-parenting. Uh, just would I want to have more children? I mean, there's a whole nother slew of conversations that had to happen in um, to want to move forward. Um, and it was a long process, you know, to be very honest, it was a bit of a long process to really be comfortable with all of that. Because what you learn is once you've gone through a divorce, it is absolutely not something you ever want to do in your life. Like it is so taxing on you. It is so emotionally draining and just heavy um, that you really are careful. You know, I've noticed this actually with, um, there's two ways that happen after people tend to get divorced. They get married immediately, remarried immediately, like within a year, mm. right? And, or they are like, not like done, done. Like I will never, I don't care. I'm not interested. And it tends to be this, this either, you know, super, <laughs> super careful or like not, you know, like, or, or just kind of like, I want to be married, which I, again, not knocking that. I understand that need and that desire too, of course, for companionship, for all of the things that marriage does for people. But I, I would always say, just be really careful with that, especially because coming out of an, a marriage there's probably some healing that needs to be done. There's probably some trauma. There's probably some things you've got to work through to be ready and healthy for another relationship. I agree with all of that 100%. And I remember, you know, periodically when I would be in Houston, how that played out for you. And I know it was really hard. And I appreciate like your awesome example of being an adult about it. Cause I think um, I would have had many a tantrum and probably would have a few police reports filed against me, <laughs> but um, you are a bigger person than I am. So while I appreciate that you did mention, you know, the community's response to, Oh, the marriage counselor had a mm -hmm. divorce, you know? So let's take it back to, you know, the culture, the community. You have been uh, counseling families and couples for a very long time now, over a decade. So tell us about some of those toxic cultural patterns that you've seen in some of your counseling. And no names, we just kind of need to know um, what are the most common marriage issues that you see that come up from a cultural, um, like a culturally skewed perspective, like with that baggage from like the back home. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, it's it's pretty incredible, like the um, 
uh, the things that we still carry, whether, you know, people have been in this country for 40 years, for however long, like it's pretty um, strong, you know, even born and raised, you know, American Muslim kids that are married now and whatnot, like the 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 stuff, the cultural baggage is, is very strong. Um, some of the bigger things that I will definitely see is issues of um, with in-laws. Um, what the expectation is there? Is there, do, do you, is it like, like I've recently had, you know, clients say things like, oh, um, you know, you should just know that if my father passed away, my mother's going to live with us. It's like, well, okay. I mean, again, I generally understand that, but could we have had a conversation about it, you know? And that's typically what I'm realizing is really this comes back to communication. So I can tell you the issues, finances, typically in-laws, um, uh, expectations, some cultural nuance differences, some Islamic values and differences, but all of that comes down to the lack of the communication of those things. Okay. And so that's what you end up kind yes. of realizing is, you know, their issues are kind of all over the board. We have infidelity, we've got substance abuse, we have a lot of stuff going on. So people who married somebody praying, practicing great Muslim, all of a sudden chooses to stop praying, all of a sudden chooses to begin drinking and doing other things that are typically not what you signed up for when you started that marriage. Right. So it, it, it's hard. Like, what do you do in that situation? You know, you don't want to just get divorced and walk off. Like it's complicated, obviously. So, um, you know, those type of issues, a lot of what I've realized is it's really coming down to we lack fundamentally lack communication skills and culturally that comes from a lot of our upbringing if you were in homes that however you were feeling didn't matter <laughs> frankly or you know wasn't acknowledged was completely dismissed didn't matter you know if, if you're you know if, if that's what you grew up with then you know you kind of treat your spouse that way you're like I don't particularly care how you feel about that, you know, or you wouldn't even know to consider their feelings or their emotions about it. Um, and, and that typically, there is a bit of a gender stereotype there. I've seen it go both ways, but typically I think men don't always learn this skill. I think women learn this skill over coffee and chai and we just chit chat. We open podcasts. up and we talk about motherhood. We talk over podcasts. We talk about motherhood. We talk about, right. We talk about like, exactly. So I think, men are just now I'm hearing more, you know, people talking about like men don't have that companionship. They don't open up. They don't share. They, they do act their activity based with their other guys. They go do something. They don't go sit chit chat. Like that's not common. If they're chit chatting, it's about like sports or just yes. whatever, you know? And so honestly, that's shown such a vacuum in um, emotional growth expression. How do you explain yourself do can you even identify feelings correctly things like that so yeah i've i've really seen a lot of um our lack of communication training and skills play out in the next generations. No, I, I love hearing that because I, I definitely feel like whether it's um, parent to child or husband and wife or parents to children, like the opposite, like me as a child with my parents or vice versa, communication is the number one thing mm -hmm. I feel like all of us need to, to focus on. Um, and everybody communicates in different ways, right? So being able to tap into everybody's different communication styles is, is very key. And, and I see a lot of what your work is, uh, is, is doing a lot of that personal development prior to getting married, which I think is 100% important. And, and honestly, I tell my kids right now, premarital counseling, I don't care who you're marrying, 
is a must. Yay. Two thumbs up. <laughs> like like that. I will not. I will not set a wedding. I will not do any of that stuff. I think that we need to have frank, honest conversations because families are different, and the way families deal. Like I tell my kids all of the time, your dad and I are very different people, but we have a lot of things in common. And even under the best of circumstances, it's a challenge. And let alone if you don't talk about these situations, you don't, you're not open to therapy, that's, that's just not going to work. And, and I think in our culture specifically, and I'm just going to be blunt about this, uh, what I see in the Indopac um, community, they're so focused on the shadi and the planning of the wedding and what clothes are you going to wear and who's going to do your hair, who's going to do your makeup, who's going to do it. Yep. And I'm just kind of like, you know, my husband and I got married like quickly, but then you have to focus on the wedding because that day is done in a day. And I feel like because we're so focused on the shadi, 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 shadi is a, a Urdu word for marriage. We're not focused on the actual marriage. And and with each kid, I always joke, you have to fall in love with your husband yeah. all over again because you honestly hate each other for a, a <laughs> period of time, you know, and it's, and it's work and it's, and you're cultivating seeds that you won't see grown for years. So I think that communication is a hundred percent important. So what is it that you kind of, that was just my long winded <laughs> way of saying and asking, what is it that you um, have your cli- like premarital clients specifically in the Muslim community? What are you seeing as far as like potential issues and how are you helping them navigate that uncharted territory? Um, you know, everything you said is, is so, so incredibly important. I just, I just, first of all, yay, uh, to, you know, like spot on for your kids, please tell everyone to do the same because it's yes. so, so important and critical. And I can't underscore what you said enough. You know, we we will literally plan six months to one year for a four hour event. Okay. And we will do yes. zero training for a lifetime. How does that make any sense? Yes. Right. It like literally makes no sense. We spend months and years or even a year up to a year to, to, you know, for this four hour thing and we, all the details, all the details, right. Flowers, colors, sashes, this bows, you know, like we're literally matching the jewelry, matching the, this, and yet we don't know how to have a conversation with our spouse. We don't know how to tell them something or, you know, so, I mean, I I can't uh, underscore that enough. So in the terms of the premarital piece, I will say here's the, the, big glimmer of hope here, alhamdulillah, is that I I just in the last maybe month or two had probably six or seven couples reach out for premarital counseling. Yay. And that's a lot for our community, right? right? In a yeah. month span, that's that a lot a of lot. people kind of coming through. And and it's becoming much a more accepted, much more popular thing. Another thing that I think was one of the coolest things is if somebody gifts it as their wedding gift. I thought that was That's super amazing. cool, Ooh. right? They would ask Just me up, up front, "Hey, how many down, sessions? People, write it down. How many sessions? You know, can you get most of your nuts and bolts of your curriculum in? Okay, cool. What's the charge? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. They would just gift that to them, and that was their wedding gift. And I was like, oh, phenomenal! It. You know, that is absolutely amazing because that is the literally the best gift you could give them. You know, literally because so what we do in premarital counseling because I try to you know obviously come from like a Muslim perspective, people are wondering. Our general understanding of marriage, right? So I do want to come from what does Allah ask of us in our marriages, right? What was the prophetic example of marriage? So I do bring some of that in, but I also obviously tie in Mm -hmm. specific skill sets. You know, you need to have a toolbox going into marriage, right? Premarital counseling and education is your toolbox. You need to know when you need a wrench and not a hammer. Don't bang the thing. 
turn it, you know, <laughs> right? Like there's differences. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, when you're 22, five, eight, you don't know that, especially if you don't, you know, you haven't been in relationships before. Even if you have been in relationships before, it wasn't a marriage baby, right? Marriage is a whole nother ball game. And so I feel like, you know, one of the things I'm seeing is realizing that as the generations are going, how much culture came through that family, right? Some of our families mm. are very traditional still. Like, uh, you know, I'm assuming we're all kind of the same generation, right? So our generation's families, what we grew up in, probably were pretty dizzy. Like I spoke only Urdu to my parents. Like we were pretty dizzy. Obviously, am I speaking only Urdu to my kids? No, I wish, but no. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're just, it's different, right? We don't eat as much dizzy food. We eat a lot of dizzy food, but we certainly don't eat as much as my mom. So there's, you know, as culture is bringing and coming down, that what they're absorbing and what they're hearing may look very, and, and my kids, for example, they're in a blended family. Like that's not everyone's experience. You know, they've done a lot of, they've seen and done and heard a lot of different things. So if they marry into a super traditional household, I have concerns, not to be bad, but just something like, whoa, we have to really clearly set our expectations. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I do in premarital counseling is expectations because we all walk in thinking playing house is easy, right? It's this romanticized, mm -hmm. I have this companion and fun partner for life and it's cool. So by the way, the current generation's ideas are this, house, household, everything's going to get split 50-50 and you're going to do the cooking mm -hmm. half the time and you're going to do this half the time. And I'm like... <laughs> Okay. That's not how it works, baby girl. <laughs> baby boy. Not, not gonna happen, honey. Not gonna happen, buddy. You know, like, like there's it, no it such thing as doesn't. 50 50. <laughs> It, there just isn't. No, there really isn't. isn't. I don't know how else to say it. And so yeah. half of what I explained. Can we just say, regardless of culture. Oh, yeah. Like, I want that to be specifically self. True. Regardless of culture. This is not just for the Muslim, Indo-Pak, Arab culture. Like, across the board, you go oh, into yeah. something thinking 50-50, and that's just not, it's just not the case. And and what, what, what I do tell them is it's not a matter of we shouldn't strive for egalitarian. Blah, blah, blah. It's not about that. What we're talking about is a lot of times, and this is something, I think if you go in knowing this upfront, you're not as frustrated when it happens. Right. So I tell them, look, there yes. will not always be a way to compromise. There are certain decisions in life. You're going to just not get your way and, or you will get your way. And there isn't a meeting in the middle. There is no middle for some issues. Some issues there are, and that's fine. We can work towards compromise. Some issues there aren't, there is no middle. So what I tell people is, look, prepare mentally to be like, cool, take one for the team this time. If it doesn't matter to you that much, if it's really not incredibly significant to you, let it go, man. Just like let the other person have it. Kind of keep a mental, like, you know, it can't be so one-sided because obviously that gets taken advantage of and there becomes a mm -hmm. mismatch and a, an imbalance of someone's always getting their way. That's not correct either. So you just have to remember that it's okay if you didn't sort of get your way all the time, if the marriage is like moving forward and it's working and it's okay enough, yes. you know? Um, and so that's something I think no people realize and don't know, honestly. I think they think that we can always compromise. I think they think we can sort of always find that 50% or middle ground. It's like, not, not really, you know, and, and that, and again, you don't have to think about it as so imbalanced where one person should be taking all of it on. It's more a matter of there's certain issues. One person will take more of it. On. Mm -hmm. And then in certain other issues, the other person will take more of it. On. So it does end up, inshallah, balancing itself out. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like an apples and oranges thing. Like some people, I love how you said each person in the relationship is going to be playing to their strengths. So some per one 
person is going to handle mm-hmm. something more, you know, like for me, and I had discussed this with my husband before we got married, we didn't have premarital counseling because he wouldn't do it. Um, it was around <laughs> when we got married 15 years ago, but he didn't want to do it because he was one of those non-believers in therapy. Um, but eventually we ended up going, so it, it was fine. We didn't do it pre, we did it post. <laughs> when, that wasn't fun. That's never fun, guys. Start in the beginning. <laughs> so we had discussed, I had told him everything inside the house is my domain. You may have electronics and you may have the garage. Those are your two spaces and you can (laughs) do anything in those two spaces, you know, and I will not intervene and you will not intervene. Like, don't ever tell me how to load a dishwasher. Don't tell me like what the menu is. Like, you know, Sadia knows I buck authority all the time. So I like to be in control, but I realized that there were things that I would not have control over. So I have many times walked into the house and seen new electronics that I did not authorize, but that's the thing. There's no authority, right? Um, Mm -hmm. That power struggle can often lead to a lot of problems. And I will say that it did it in my case as well, because it took us a while to understand that. And eventually it landed us in therapy and that was okay. Uh, We did open up to it. So that was perfect. Now you did talk about premarital communication and how to establish that and fix that. But what about people who are already married and, you know, feel that communication Mm -hmm. gap and don't know how to cross it? And some of them have been married a year. Some of them have been married for decades. What do you do in that situation and what tools do you offer? So, so that's a really good question. Um, you said so many things. It's like every time you both talk, I'm like so many gems, so many things I want to hang on to. <laughs> um, but basically the idea of, you know, when you mentioned it's okay, you didn't do the pre, oh, it's all good. I tell people all the time, please come to me when you still love each other. Please don't come to me when yeah, you pretty yes. much can't stand each other like I don't know (laughs) what you want me to do at that point like I'm not a wizard I'm not gonna wave wave a wand and like tell you (laughs) you know and make you have feelings again for Uh each other like please you know don't hate each other so you know it's it's great that you you know go at some point when you're like hey you know try to make a few things work not quite working let's talk to somebody like Uh that's what you do honestly um half the time communication wise what I tell people is what therapists are is like you know, you're speaking, I'm, you went through me, I translated it and spit it back out to your spouse, you know? And then eventually by modeling and whatnot, you learn how to do that on your own. You know, half the time, that's what I'm doing. I'm just translating the type of communication you're trying to have at home and the messages you're trying to give each other. I I don't end up majorly changing people. It's more like, how can we accept each other? How can we work with what's there? And, you know, in a workable fashion. You know, um, I wanted to mention, so, um, John Gottman's got all kinds of stuff on marriage. Um, he's definitely a leader on this stuff. So one of the things he talks about, I don't know if y'all talked about it before, but like in terms of communication, the four dangers, um, that if you recognize this in your Mm -hmm. marriage, like, please go get help, (laughs) please, please, please go get help. Because this, these are, they call them the, like the horsemen of the apocalypse or whatever. (laughs) So, um, the, there's criticism. Okay. There's contempt. Um, there's defensiveness and there's stonewalling. Okay. In those four ways of talking to each other, if that's what your communication has come to where you, you don't just have a complaint, but it's a criticism. Okay. It's not just, I am bothered by this particular item. It is you suck at this. (laughs) Okay. Like that is a problem. If that's how this gets communicated, um, contempt, like just straight up disrespectfully. I'm so resentful at this point that I just 
like I kind of despise you and that's how you hear it in my tone. That's not good. That's not healthy. Um, defensiveness where you're never willing to take accountability, never willing it to be your fault. It's never something you did. It's always, and now we call it kind of like gaslighting where someone will talk to you and turn, you'll flip it around on them and throw it back in their face and be like, this is all you, you know, um, when you initially were the one to bring up a complaint. And then the fourth one is stonewalling. Obviously, it's kind of an obvious one where you're just like, I'm not, I've picked a position and I'm not moving. And it's like, you know, getting through a wall, like you're just not going to engage. I'm not going to deal with you. I bet I don't, I don't, because that what happens is that sounds like I don't care. That's what that sounds like. It sounds like I don't even care to engage with you anymore, you know? So obviously you hear any of these things, I mean, seek professional help. If you really know that's where y'all are at in your marriage, yes. it's truly probably past the point where you can fix it yourself, you know? Um, and, and again, what therapy will do is just give you the tools to speak in a manner in which you're understanding each other again, in which you're willing to actively and reflectively listen again. A lot of times in communication, once you've been married a good while, is we come into patterns of thinking. We're like, our assumption is you always think this about me. So every time you make any sentence about something, even, you know, remotely related to that issue, you're critiquing me, you're coming at me, I'm taking it personally, and now I'm hurt. Whereas half the time I'm telling people who've married a long time, take things at face value. Walk in, hear the exact mm -hmm. words coming out of that person's mouth. Stop right there. <laughs> Deal with that. Move on with your life. Like, because what we bring in the last 10 years in every conversation, how can you ever move forward if you bring yeah. in everything every single time, you know, because mm -hmm. there's never growth then, right? You're spinning your wheels, right. you're going in circles about the same issues you've had for years and years. So, um, it, you know, communication is, I don't even, again, I could talk about it all day. It is so critical. It's so important. It's the way that you'll get through the issues that you are actually having, the tangible issues, the in-laws, the finances, the, the, the raising of the kids, the parenting. There's so many issues that come up in marriage. And if you don't have a la common language, then, you know, what are you doing? It's, it's going to be uh -huh. so much harder. No, you're you're 100 correct, and it's funny because we have actually a question for the viewer that I was going to ask anyway, but um, I'm hearing a like universal fact across all. It doesn't matter if you're East Coast, West Coast. There's a huge rise in divorces amongst Muslim couples, specifically during this pandemic. And you know, my philosophy is we were meant to be together four hours a day. We were not meant to be together 24 hours a day. So I think that that's like a huge impact, especially if you don't have your particular spaces carved out. I just read an article where I saw a poor mom in a closet because she had no place to go. So I'm sitting here thinking the poor lady is on the floor in the closet. Her son is hanging from like the rack no wonder she'll come out of that totally like frenzied and frustrated. Right. So, and, and, and honestly, during this pandemic, the women are carrying the extra load that the pandemic is bringing us, whether or not you were equal to begin with, we're having to facilitate all these extra things that we weren't having to before. So me personally, I'm not a marriage and family therapist, just being a wife in a situation with the pandemic. I feel like that's a huge issue. But could you tell us whether I'm wrong or if there are other factors that are causing this increase, this astronomical increase in divorces in um, Muslim families right now? 
So that's you, you brought up again many many good good points. So so to break that down a little bit, yes, you're absolutely correct about all of it. <laughs> so yes, the pandemic in and of itself is is a big trigger for because exactly as you said, we were not built for this. Okay, the I, I always tell people when I do premarital counseling, to me the idea of a soulmate. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's a healthy concept uh, no. because you're telling somebody that this person was literally perfect for you. You know, that's going to, you are going to be disappointed so fast <laughs> if you walk in with that expectation and understanding, right? So it's the same concept. Like this person that we are now with all the time and now we're not seeing our girlfriends for, you know, dinner dates, lunch dates. We're not doing mm. girls night outs. We're not doing like all the other ways in which I get, I fulfill myself, right? All the needs that I have, my emotional needs, all those needs. We are now dumping on our spouses because they are literally the only thing accessible to yes. us, right? Uh -huh. So like physically, right. like right in front of us. So um, it, that, that is contributed. So, so that's one thing, right? The expectations and what's happening too. Um, it also, what it's doing is forcing people to deal with the issues that they've been able to avoid because they were so busy. Mm. Right. Yeah. So half of what we do, half of what we do as Muslims is we busy ourselves. We take on more projects. We work more. We oh, let me go take our parents. Let me go do this. <laughs> yeah. We go save the world because we don't want to deal with our houses. Right. Yes. And so a lot of what's happening in the pandemic is I can't run away from these issues. I've no, like it's no longer a rug. It's like a mountain in the corner of the closet. <laughs> you know, like we didn't sweep under the rug. We've been shoving it into a closet door that's barely shutting anymore, you know? And so what the pandemic did is it opened the door. And so it's like, Bleh you know, like all this stuff has come out and it's all this gunk in our marriages. And now they're staring us in, in the face every day, 24 seven. And so a lot of people are like, wow, we, we're not good. Like we're not good. Right? You know, like our marriage is not in a good, healthy mm -hmm. state because again, you've had to slow down enough to have to see it. And then when you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like second part of it. The third part is what you just mentioned about moms or women in general. I'm sure you've seen, I've read countless articles talking about the mental load on mothers right now, how it's affected our careers, how it's affected, um, you know, like literally women have gone back like 20 years when it comes to like the advancements made in certain industries and whatnot, because so many have left the workforce during this pandemic because they simply mm -hmm. cannot sustain all of it. They cannot right. sustain work and their homes and their children's homeschoolings or, you know, elderly parents they're trying to protect. I mean, there's so much that we are constantly battling every single day, not to mention, you know, our societal political place we were in for a very long time, right? Up until Alhamdulillah recently. And we're still there and we're still very traumatized by it, by the way, yes. super traumatized by it still. Uh, but we're, you know, we're, we're in a better place, Alhamdulillah, but we were dealing with that too. Like there was a lot of stresses and pressures and things going on, external forces. We're seeing these riots, we're seeing protests, we're seeing so much stuff on top of the pandemic and our homes and our mental health and our, mm. you know, so when you add all that together and this spouse is supposed to be your be all end all of support. I mean, that is just such a recipe for disaster. <laughs> like that's just such a difficult thing um, for, for anyone to ever fulfill. And so I can see that rise absolutely for all the reasons I just mentioned, I can absolutely see that rise just kind of continuing. It's funny. I actually haven't read that it's on the rise in Muslim communities. So I just learned something new. I know um, there's been a lot of funny memes about women who are like, who is this person? You know, now that everybody's working from home and you can see like, 
you know, him picking places that you didn't know about. It's like, what did you do in the office, man? Why are you saving it for me? Um, so you spoke <laughs> a little bit about that myth of the soulmate. You spoke about um, some of the community pressures. So my question to you is, you know, a lot of times those uh, societal pressures, those community cultural pressures cook down to um, or claim to say they're coming from an Islamic perspective, right? So like if you're in a difficult situation, you're in a difficult spot, this is a test from Allah, this is a trial from Allah. So it kind of, you know, sounds Islamic, um, but especially when it comes to people withholding information before getting married and then you find out after the fact and it's something big like a mental illness or a physical ailment or, you know, something that was hidden. Um, no, just have patience again. It's a test. Um, marriage will fix it, you know, cause marriage fixes mm -hmm. impotence and homosexuality too, apparently um, in, mm -hmm. in these people's minds. So how do we, unjustify these long Islamically justified unions or culturally justified unions? Right. Mm. So that's a really good question. And, and subhanAllah, like, you know, I always tell people like what do, you've got to go back to like, so there's maqasid al-sharia, right? Like what were the intentions of the laws and the ways of being a Muslim? Like what were, what do you think the higher aspirations are of what we're asked to do as being Muslims? And, you know, Allah's given every single person dignity. You know, human dignity cannot be taken away by anybody. And so if your spouse is doing that, they are no longer fulfilling their role. That that is not a, a good, that is not healthy. And Allah did not ask that for you. That is not being patient. You know, that is, that is um, like, honestly, to Depression. me, it's almost the opposite. Like it is, well, it is absolutely. But I'm saying like for, for the person being abused, it is an amana on a, from, from Allah to like take care of yourself. So, so, you know, by not taking care of yourself, you could be doing something more damaging Islamically, right. you know, you could be allowing somebody to, you know, do something to you that's not, that is not okay with, you know, and so, and nor did he ask you to stay in that situation. So, so, you know, we have to kind of be really real about like what, you know, I mean, why would there be a surah in the Quran about talaq? Why would there be so many mentions of it in surah Baqarah? Like it's, it's in so many places in the Quran. If it was something that was just so terrible and should never, ever happen. I mean, we are given such clear guidance on actually how to do it. You know, we're so clear on so many things. So that's one thing we need to kind of like get over that whole thing. But secondly, more to your point of like marriage fixing things, you know, um, that is just the most troubling thought to me. I've heard this so many times where they're like, there's uh, particularly, I would say from the subcontinent, I, I, I can't speak for everybody. Our else, experience is subcontinental, like, oh. we get you. Right. So it'll be like, oh, my son can't get his act together. He's the most irresponsible. He's, you know, Dila, right? He's like this, like, I can't be responsible. I can't be accountable. I can't like get my act together. Yeah. yeah. I can't be like a hustler. <laughs> like I can't hustle and work hard in life. Let's get him married because then he'll have to. Uh -huh. Wow. What a horrible <laughs> yeah. thing to do to so many times I've like seen what this. a horrible I have two I have two mm -hmm. and I'm like what part of you thought you as their mother who gave them all the training in life you were supposed to give them and if they couldn't come out from their mother telling them why is their wife gonna somehow be able to like train them or teach mm -hmm. them you know they're a grown man they don't want to be parented anymore they want a wife they want a partner Right. And so, you know, it's it's like such a bizarre concept to me. Like you think this is actually going to fix something. And then, you know, mm -hmm. the idea of holding something such as a mental illness, you know, that's a really tricky line, you know, because 
for example, um, you know, I've had this question a lot and it's, you know, it's important. We should put it out there where people will say, oh, you know, if I've had like a bit of a past or I've had like a relationship in the past, like, do I have to say everything? You know, do I have to explain uh-huh. everything to a potential mm-hmm. person? I've talked to different shiuch about this and they'll say, no, absolutely not. If you've made your proper toba, okay, like you have made proper toba in the current state, you have, you, you left those sins behind, you have moved on, you are, you know, re- you know, reformed kind of person. And what they're getting from you right now is that, that better version. They're like, no, all it's going to do is mess with their mind. They're going to mm-hmm. overthink it. They're going to think about what that person was and tell me more details and tell me more this and tell me more that, you know? So it's not to say that you would lie and be like, I'm squeaky clean. I've never done anything in my life, but it's to say, maybe we don't need to get into all those details. It's cool for me to understand that you've had some past history, some things, but I'm okay. Like it's okay. Right. Here's the caveat to that. If you're the kind of person who's done a whole lot of things where medically you could have a problem. No, this crosses a line. This is an issue. You do need to disclose that that is not an okay thing because it will very directly impact your spouse. So that's the line. What things are you withholding from that will directly impact the next, you know, this person going forward? If it's not going to impact them, your dumb high school, you know, four month relationship is not going to do anything for your marriage 10 years later. Like it's not going to bother you, you know? Yeah. So, right. You know, like it's not, nobody cares, right? Or it shouldn't, they shouldn't care. People do care. They shouldn't because it's probably fine and it's whatever. But when you've, you know, been either sexually active or you've done some things where like you have medical issues, mental health issues, something very diagnosable, like that's a problem. And I don't know if you can keep that from some, like, I know you can't ethically. You can't legally. I don't think you can. Uh Yeah, legally too. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) so I do think that's problematic, but even the mental health piece, right. I've seen this a lot too, where someone will have a a fairly, I would say strong, um, psychiatric clinical diagnosis, and it is not told before the marriage. Um, that is problematic. Mm. That is exceedingly problematic because you have to know what you're dealing with. Right. And it's not to say somebody wouldn't accept that. Many people would be accepting of it. There's medications that can treat things. There's therapy. There's plenty of ways that you can treat, you know, things. And it doesn't have to be this end all situation. So, you know, I I really feel like we've got to encourage people to be honest and open. How can you have a healthy, successful marriage when you started off on lies and deception? Like how? How can we, you know, expect that of a marriage? I 100% agree with that as well. But I I have more of a comment and I would like you to respond to it because I've thought about this. I've kind of thrown it out in a couple of groups only to be kind of falling on deaf ears and everyone's kind of like a silence in the room. So perhaps this is going to happen to you too. But I'm a big believer, okay? Like I agree with your whole concept of there's no concept of a soulmate. I just don't believe there's not one person that's going to fill your soul. And quite frankly, it shouldn't be like, I remember there, there was a couple True. in college, they would sit next to each other and say, I don't know much Urdu, but I was literally like, you got that is just gross. Okay. Um, but, it, and I'm just, we're going to end it with this particular comment. Right. And I just want you to give me an honest answer and do not judge me. I don't, we weren't meant to live this long. Okay. We weren't. So the whole concept of being in a relationship for 30, 40, 50, 60 years is a little bit of a newer Mm -hmm. situation, right? It wasn't uncommon for people to, you know, die, like 
uh, we're in our forties and you know, you'd be a grandma by now. You'd like, that was kind of even two generations ago. So I feel this whole concept of, you know, till death do us part till this, you know, it is a very different situation than what that particular love and marriage, that, that quote, that phrase was brought up to be. It is a lot harder to have to, to have to hold up your end of the bargain in, in, in multiple areas. One, you're right, just historically time, timing wise, right? The expected life, life expectancies, et cetera, all of that's gone up. So yes, you know, were we supposed to be in our eighties with the same person we married in, you know, our twenties? That's tough. Like that's, that's just tough there with this person. It's been a very, very long time, but you know, I think that's part of something I was, I've been thinking about in terms of conceptually with marriage is the generation above us and beyond understood the responsibility that took place in marriage, the the responsibility piece of it. They knew and understood what they were taking on. They knew and understood their roles. They knew and understood all of that. Okay. Yet they didn't have the connection and the love and the compatibility and all of that. The problem I'm seeing is we, we went from one extreme to another extreme where we're now hyper-focused on the yes. love and the connection. And we're forgetting that there's a massive responsibility and accountability and some roles you just have to fill. You just have to fill, you know? You'll be a wife, you'll be a mother, you'll be a daughter-in-law, you'll be a sister-in-law, you'll be a mother. You know, like there's these things that are going to keep coming and you're gonna, you're gonna need to own up to all of that responsibility, okay? It's not all fun and games and love and romance, right? And so yet our, our uh, the other generation sort of like just threw it away <laughs> completely. And to me, expecting somebody to stay in a 50, mm -hmm. 60 year marriage with zero love romance compatibility is ridiculous. That is just ridiculous. You know, right. there's no way like you're just like, and, 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 on, and I'm just going to frankly say this in my parents' generation, amongst people I've seen community wise, clients wise, whatever, just personally even, right. I see how they look at each other like, I don't even like you. Like, I don't literally don't like the person that you are. And it's so sad. They're just kind of together because of time and history and life and that same responsibility piece I'm talking about, you know, and they're just kind of, and, and you know what? That's okay. Like, alhamdulillah, right? Like, they're, if that was okay for them, that's okay for them. Like, it's, you know what I mean? It's not sort of our place to sort of judge that and be like, it's so wrong and messed up. Unless it is wrong and that's the person's miserable, then I do feel bad for them. But if they're just kind of doing their thing, it's not our 2021 sensibilities job to take our love, romance, marriage and dump it on that and say that's wrong. Like, no, we can't do that either. Because for their time and place, that was okay. And it was acceptable. And many are not miserable. So, okay, alhamdulillah for them, right? Now, what we have to do is figure out that balance, right? So, Zeba, what you're talking about is how do you still have some love, romance, fun, lightheartedness, jokes, silliness, you know, like if you can't have that in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, ugh, marriage is going to be a drag, like a massive drag, you know, because then you're going to fall back into that other extreme of it's just responsibility. It's just my role. It's my duty. This is what I do, you know, and that's uh, frankly, the life we're in right now, that's not sustainable because women make money. They can just do their own thing, <laughs> you know, like, like people can just leave that situation because they don't want to be in it, you know? So if it's not, if you're not getting something, some value out of that relationship, that is a problem. Okay. And part of what you're talking about is that again, it's the idea that that person is not supposed to be your be all end all. 
They are just supposed to fulfill that one role you have put them in, your spouse. They're not all of your girlfriends. They're not your parents. They're not your siblings, right? They're not your cousins. They're not all of these other coworkers, people in your life that fulfill other emotional and mental and psychological needs for you. And so if you're making sure that you always have pop like good support around you so that you're not expecting that and you're like, you know, doling out <laughs> who can fulfill and satisfy and take care of certain things, then I think you're in a much better, like you have a much better shot at it, you know, uh, of, of making it all those years. Um, but I don't know if that answer made any sense. That totally did. I think it's two different cultures influencing that. And like you said, find it in the middle, right? Because the previous generations were influenced by the culture around them. Romance isn't important. The biodata, you know, the family genealogy is important. They didn't even place that much <laughs> emphasis on Islamic yep. practice, to be really honest, from what I can tell. Nope. And then our generation is, you know, the notebook generation. Like, let it be like that. So yeah. a happy, a happy medium yeah. is what we need. But I think that thread that's going to make it work is going to be that adherence to strict Islamic guidelines. And that's how you're going to know when abuse is abuse and when love is love, if you follow God's way. That's what I think. No, and, and the one thing I, I'd like to point out, and, and I think that this is very interesting because Sadi, you mentioned this um, really briefly. It's not just about like hearts and fairy tales and Valentines. It's about doing those things. Like for me, I can say my husband drives me nuts, but every morning, because he knows my skin gets so dry, he'll make sure all the humidifiers in the house have water in them. So I don't have to go through and do it because he knows that like my skin gets dry with the heat, you know? And so it's things like that, that I think is what is going to sustain you. It's it's the, the the quest for wanting to help your spouse. And it's not the, oh my God, he thought about this on Valentine's Day, or he's super romantic, or he's this. It's those little things that I think get us through the day. So that having been said, Usma's going to talk to us, talk to the audience a little bit about our, our challenge, because we want to focus on those small things so that we mm -hmm. can kind of build those connections with our spouse. And Usma, could you tell our audience a little bit about what that is? So so we have a February challenge this month. You can download it um, on, I believe it's our Instagram. Uh, we might have to put the links up on Facebook for you guys mm -hmm. to register. And we have a cute little couples meeting thing. So you're reviewing this worksheet. Hopefully, I think you should do it like once a week but I'll probably realistically end up doing it once a month yes. just to kind of get a tune up, right? Because at the end of the day, after the kids grow up and leave, I need to like this guy. So I want to do um, this worksheet with him and make sure that we're, you know, meeting somewhere in the middle. And again, going back to what Sadia said about 50-50, middle may look a little bit more like this or a little bit more like that. Not quite in the middle, but meeting somewhere. Depending on the together. day, depending on yeah. the hour. And we also have a second downloadable worksheet. As soon as you uh, register, that has like 30 days of activities that you can do. There's a couple of easy rules for you to follow, not a million accounts for you to flat, uh, tag, nothing like that. We just want you to register and practice these exercises every day. Things like hold your husband's hands and look in his eyes every day for five minutes or one, one time. Yeah, don't do that every day because that's really annoying. I don't know that I could last more than two. I haven't tried this one yeah. yet. But, you know, go through these activities once a week. Just let us know that you're doing it and you'll be entered into a drawing for a $50 DoorDash card, which Zeba says you're going to spend with for a meal on, you know, for a meal with your husband. I know I'm going to end up spending it, you know, on McDonald's yes. for my children, but that's okay. 
No. I think that's romantic. Make your too. no, make your kid, make your kids mac and cheese, cut up some fruit, <laughs> put them to bed, order DoorDash, and look lovingly into each other's eyes. That's not happening for five minutes. But you can have a nice <laughs> meal for the two of you for five minutes. But but it it is about connection, and we recognize that this isn't the easiest time. So that was part of the reason for. Honestly, it was a challenge for ourselves yeah. with our own spouses to be very honest with you that we're like, why not invite the whole community? Because we can all use a little bit of extra love and tenderness and share the love. So Sadi, where can people find you? Because I know you offer some amazing workshops and now they're probably online. So please tell our audience where they can find you and I'm going to write it down so I can join. Sure. Um, um, one quickly though, Uzma, that's uh, awesome. And for you guys have to have come up with that assignment is amazing. It's literally something I tell couples to do is do quick checkups, like set, like assessments. So that's amazing that you guys are doing that. It's so beneficial to be like, Oh, I thought we were at a five. And then your spouse is like, we were at a, like from one to five. They're like, I ranked that number two. And you're like, Whoa, yeah. <laughs> whoops, little disconnect, you know? <laughs> so alhamdulillah, awesome, awesome exercise. Inshallah. I hope everybody, I really encourage you to download it, do it. That's amazing. Um, so where they can reach me. So on, on Facebook, I do, that's probably where I was the most active. I just started an Instagram account trying to move forward on that too. So it's um, the word Muslim bliss. So you can find me on Facebook at Muslim bliss. You can find me on Instagram at Muslim dot bliss. And I do have a, a website that right now is um, it, it's, it's fine. I need to add some content in terms of um, potential upcoming workshops and things. Um, yes, we were doing, you know, zoom virtual workshops and a lot of that, honestly, you can find from the Facebook page. Um, but the website, website is Muslim dash bliss. Mm -hmm. So if you'll find that um, on the website, but I'll, I'll try to update as many things as I can. But yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot going on. One thing that um, I get asked about a lot is, is um, how do you find somebody if you're single <laughs> during a pandemic? And so that's something, you know, to consider is where I'm, I'm considering doing like a virtual kind of a uh, you know, I don't know, something, something or another, um, to help people connect and make those connections and meet each other. Um, so, you know, that's one part of it, but also of course, doing some premarital education, doing marital enrichment. Um, I did an intimacy and connection webinar, um, a few times now. And so things like that, I do try to intend to do to keep everybody, um, trying to get as many skills as they can inshallah with their, within their relationships. Well, then we'll have you come back for our matchmaking episode. You can listen to it because we have a Muslim matchmaker coming on this month. That'll be fun. Something for the singles. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Sadia. This was great. I really appreciate you not letting the skeletons out of the closet. Thank you so much. I love you for always. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait until you come back to Mommy and One Muslim. And that's a wrap, folks. See you on the next episode. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.